Welcome to the Old Chats Pod with me, Amesha here. And me, James Factor. This podcast will tackle the taboo topic of mental health in a raw, honest and jovial way. With two good mates who've met in London talking about their own mental health hiccups with some help from some special guests along the way. Welcome to episode 30, the Deep Dive Chat. In this episode, we take a deeper look into our own mental health hiccups and give our perspectives on how they have developed or changed since our first episode. Hello, sir. You all right? Yeah, good, mate. How are you? Yeah, I'm good, thanks. I'm good. That's a very fetching vest. Oh, it's just, I hadn't thought what I was wearing for the cool. This is what I wear around the house. This is it. That's nice. What is it? Oh, it's HAC. Very nice. HAC stash from our tour last year to Epony. I'll ask how you are. How are you? How are you, Bash? Yeah, good, thanks, mate. Not too bad. Yeah, how are you? Yeah, good. Good. Yeah, busy. Not going out too much at the moment. Just um, trying to get some stuff done. And hopefully as spring's coming, things start to open up a bit more. I'll get back into into it a bit more from there. Um, I wanted to have a little recap of where we are at the moment and looking back. Because did you know it's been it's been two and a half years since we did our first episode? Since you flown by, suggested reached out to me in the in the peak pandemic periods, and we we launched it, and we've done thirty episodes. This is our thirtieth episode now. That's pretty good. That's flown by, but also. People don't realise the work we did before then. Do you remember? So that was like the summertime. Was I think it was like May. But do you remember for like a couple of months before we were recording stuff? I remember we just had like random chats during the pandemic. We weren't, we weren't recording stuff, sorry. We were just having conversations for a good couple of months yeah. before. I remember that. And I remember how like hesitant we both were to speak more than yes. anything. The, the penny drop for me was where my mate Jamie, who's been on before, he did the, I went on his podcast before. And when he said to me, he was like, progress over perfection. Because I remember, it's probably me, I was being hesitant about recording stuff. Because I was like, oh, you listen back, it's like, oh, you should say this. But there's always stuff you can add on. But yeah, when he From said that, on, I was like... You just pump them out every week. <laughs> like, 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 Apart from the last year. But that's why it's quite, it's actually funny you say that. I had a, a friend here, and uh, she listened to the first episode. And I always said, like, feedback's welcome. And she went off on tangent about, like, oh, yeah, like, better quality and stuff. But I was like, she didn't listen to the first episode. So I like to think now it's a lot better than the first. Because I still think this is the first episode. We're still quite nervous, but now. Yeah, absolutely. I can hear it in the first. I listened to the first one a while ago. And I do remember those chats as well. It took sort of two or three meetings to then suggest, well, let's actually speak as if we were recording for people. And then when yeah. we did record, it was a very nervy, nervy affair, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, mate, definitely. Still good, still good stuff. So basically, well, that's kind of why... I'd like to do this episode because I think we kind of went into it a little bit back then. And then I think we had a recap on episode 15, which was speaking a bit in a bit more detail. But I think, you know, you're in Canada, you're trying to reach out to North American audience, reaching new listeners. We should probably, and there's new HAC members, new people getting involved. We should probably do just a little recap, I think, of that first episode, where we are now. And how things may have changed, maybe they haven't, and maybe go into a bit more detail about exactly why we're doing the show for people who may not know that. Because I think 
it's good that in mental health is obviously in the last few years has become a big talking point and it's been a big part of our culture now I think but I think it's always important to keep going into detail about it I think that the, the trigger word of mental health should be an opening yeah. and not a closing to the discussion and we shouldn't leave it there and I think the just quick the example I was thinking of was actually remember we spoke about Simone Baez the gymnast yeah. in one of our episodes where she said she had mental health issues through one of her routines when she couldn't go on in the yeah. Olympics and I remember thinking at the time it would be great if she could come out and explain exactly what she meant by that because that would start you know, that that detail is the devil's in that detail I think for other people to understand and she did that she came out and said exactly what she was getting a version of the yips where she couldn't you know she was going through a condition lots of detail so that made me think it's always good to to add detail to stuff so yeah it's, it's very it's very powerful when people say that and I know I don't want to go into too too much depth of like my own story because we've done that in quite a lot of episodes but I think the main reason why this kind of came about was like any good good product was a drink of conversation and I think it was more it was more the case of I think Yes, although both our mental health stories are, are, are different, they're still similar in the sense of we were feeling the same things. We had a lot of common things that affected us both. I think that was what was kind of like relatable for me and for you. A lot of my stuff happened, as I've realised come old, a lot of my stuff happened when I was younger, in my teenage years. And uh, I don't want to do this again, but this is the second podcast where I've mentioned uh, Diary of the CEO, Steve Bartlett. But I listened to another episode this week with the author of The Chimp Paradox. I don't know if you've read that. Have you read? No, I listened to the diet. I listened to that podcast now. Real, real good book. I recommend it. It's just about like the voice in your head. Yeah, Doctor, sorry, Doctor Stephen Peters, Chin Paradox. I think we mentioned it in the book before. But in the he did the the episode with Steve Bartlett, and there's a lot of stuff that was relatable to me. And a big thing was like a lot of my stuff's happened since I was a kid. Like it wasn't until I went to university I realized that things happened to me as a kid, which I thought was normal, which wasn't. And Steve Peters mentions how I think it was something like zero and 11 or like when you're younger that's when like gremlins can form and those gremlins are kind of with you for most of your life if not all your life and it's just those those voices inside their heads but they always creep in and that was quite a good thing that was good timing i listened to this week you just listened that's recently then you listened to that i think it's quite a recent episode it's like over the last month but it, is, it was really good and very like relatable it's, it, it's it's in the book as well like i've read the book but obviously i read that years ago and forgot but... over your um from that point then from you because i yes obviously from it was from your teenage years where you were you were suffering from that over your 20s now we're both in our 30s in case our listeners aren't aware of that if they see the video they might not be um but where how has that relationship with those gremlins changed over the last few years and how do you deal with it i don't want to keep saying refer to this episode but people that listen to all episodes yeah so uh i think i kind of suffered them until i actually saw professional help so I think it was 23, 23, 23, 24. That was when I first started getting like therapy counseling. So I had two types of CBT, cognitive behavioral therapy, uh, one counseling and one like a scheme of trauma therapy. And like that was when I just started putting all the dots and stuff together. But that's obviously very grateful I got to do that. But it's kind of like it helped normalize the process for me and realize that it's not just me who has these sort of feelings and thoughts. Um but yeah, it's definitely like, like don't get wrong, man. There's always good and bad. You always have you're always gonna have bad days, right? But now I'm hundred percent in a better place to uh 
to deal with it. And I think I think I was, I was actually when he talked about doing this episode this week, I was in the shower the other day, and I think a good way to put it for my the good way I think about it is for like twenty three years I let these like hiccups uh, dictate me, but then since then I've probably let them make me in the sense of like you kind of use this as your own like superpower. And what's really interesting is there's so many so many like successful musicians athletes they've all had like real real blips and then has been able to like shift it into a more of a positive force. Obviously, you have as an international rugby player. Okay, so our listeners aren't aware. That's a good plug for that. I didn't. I didn't have to bring it up myself. You did it for me, Rush. There you go. But how have you? How do you have like a better hold of of your sort of hiccups and kind of understanding? Yeah, I think I think the the moods have flattened out a little bit for me. So that's yeah. I think that's just a process of of getting older having more perspective on it. So the period where I was acutely suffering from an anxiety disorder was for a very specific period of, of three to four months when I was 25, 26 and went through something which I've never experienced before in my life and have never come close to that since then where everything just sort of flattened down and I didn't have a real perspective on who I was or where I was going and it's like the light just goes off suddenly. And prior to that, I'd had a few personal things which had gone wrong and didn't work out. And then one or two of those things you can relate to and you can see the correlation with the anxiety you're feeling. Mm. And that's normal. You know, that's so now I, you know, I still get that. And I'm kind of welcoming of that because I know that that's due to X, Y, and Z. Right. So that's different. I can figure out what to do. I can create a plan. This was when there was no correlation. I couldn't see the correlations at all. I was in a complete dark spot and just walking blindly on from the starting point and came out of it, you know, in, it started probably September, I think 2016. And then around January just started to come out of it and then gain a bit more perspective on, what I was doing and who I was. And then I remember six months later, I think I came up from London Bridge Station to go to work. So it was related to work as well, the issues. And I was just aware suddenly that I just wasn't in the same place. So it's like the stone had been rolled a little bit away and it was still there and I still had to keep pushing it to get better. But I could see the light a bit and I could see a route out from it. And then um, that went on for about six months to a year and then bit by bit got back to being myself, back to normal or close enough to normal. And and from then I've just rebounded and kept going, just kept going in the in the good direction, I think, from that. Uh, in that, that six months to a year period, how did you feel like day to day? Because that was like one thing I did. I think it kind of goes hand in hand, hand in hand being in London because it's so, there's every, like, so much going on. Like what we played rugby, did work. I, I felt it was... Wouldn't say easy, but you could brush under the carpet because you're always busy, and like you probably didn't have the time, you didn't want the time to deal with what was going on in your head. But how did you find? That's what I found anyway. How did you find that six months a year, like day to day? Yeah, that's right. That's actually right. You can. I mean, even during the period that I'm describing, actually, I'm trying to think of how I would have been perceived by other people, and yeah. I, there's probably, in my mind, it's a completely light and dark moment. But actually, I don't think people would have noticed, you know, that's the thing about this is that 
the last thing to go from my from my perspective the last thing to go for me was the front you know what you show to other people that that clings on way beyond when the internal stuff is is gone basically Mm. and so and I had flashes of when I was you know probably out with the club with you with other people where I was like oh this seems quite normal actually and I bet and I I remember thinking I bet they think it's normal as well and then that goes away and then you've got that long week ahead of you from from Sunday and it, it starts to get a lot worse and darker so you can do that for I mean yeah the six months after that period were just just get on with it and and also just start to be grateful for that perspective that's come back yeah your life so I would I would really make a point as I said when I came out of the tube up to London Bridge I would make a point of not saying it to my, in my head I would say to myself you know I'm not in that place anymore I'm here I'm not there the, the, the a corner has been turned so if you keep focusing on that a little bit and then let it kind of grow and it does sort of just get it's like a momentum once it starts to shift it does just get better and better yeah and that's it, it's, it's good when you say that because when you said that get on with it I had exactly the same mentality in the sense of like for example there'd always be something in the way that kind of kept me busy once I kept me in the way it was something that kept me busy like I don't know like work was busy or like rugby was busy or seeing friends was busy like there's always something else that could probably help me avoid dealing with stuff rather than like attacking it full on and so yeah I think I guess my way of tackling it full on was to engage in projects yeah. that built back my identity. I think, I think that was, I think I, I, and I don't know whether, you know, thinking about comparing now to then in more detail. And as you get older, you start to, you, you can pick out points that make more sense to you. But I think what I was trying to do was I was trying to build a critical sort of mass of my identity. And so, you know, I threw myself into the rugby side, into work, projects outside of work, you know, this, even this podcast, you know, is it's all about the rebound effect. And you want, once you get that rebound going, you want to just keep on going, don't you? You don't yeah. want to go back to where you were. And there's a, there's a fear that if you don't keep that moving and if you come to a point of stillness in your life, then that might be the risky time when you go back into that mood, which doesn't make a huge amount of sense when you actually think about it because I was throwing myself, like you said, even during that dark period, I was throwing myself into stuff all the time. So it's trying to break that, in my mind, break that correlation of always having to be busy and pushing and expanding myself and being okay with not doing that and and knowing that that won't lead to a regression is important. And that's what I think I've focused, tried to focus on a lot more recently. That loss of identity is so key and, very relatable like that was that was the thing as well where like, yeah personal things happened in my life like best friends passing away and then that was like a trigger point but also the fact that you didn't have the joy you didn't feel as if you were there you didn't have a joy in like just day-to-day activities yeah like i don't know just you, you there's nothing behind the eyes right and then you just, then you begin to like question yourself being like oh do i actually enjoy do i actually enjoy playing rugby do i actually enjoy what i'm doing at work when that or that stuff that you took for granted before there's that element of doubt, yeah. Yeah, you start to cling to those questions more desperately, don't you? Because you're trying to look yeah. for an answer to it. That's so true. How do you feel now, like, better at dealing with stuff now? But how do you feel now? Um, I th- Well, I mean, yeah. Let's say, you know, in quotation marks, you can't see me do the quotation marks, <laughs> but I'm, I'm fine, you know. You obviously have 
up days, down days. But like I said, it, it's kind of um, moved on to a point now where I can see I can see that that downside so clearly now yeah. that it's hard for me to. This is a, a tempting fate, probably a risky thing to say, but I think it's hard for me to imagine being in that in that specific situation again at any point in in my life. I think there may be obviously there'll be people go through tough times later on, but I think the self awareness that like I said, the, the the body can only take so much anxiety and stress, and that if if I'm if it does ratch up and to a point where I remember it being the condition before I went into that state, I now know that yeah, I'm running this a risk here. I need to do something. I need to talk to someone, get help, do something else, uh, take a step back. Hopefully, I would come to that conclusion. So I think that's what I would have on it. Nice man. Yeah, I think it's. It's definitely using the techniques you've learned, but sometimes can be quite hard to understand. But how do you feel when, uh, how do you feel in other people? Because that's something that I've happened, obviously, doing this podcast and that people have come to me and spoke to their mental health. How do you feel when people, like, approach you, like, when they talk about their own mental health now? Um, it's really flattered. It's not the right word. Just grateful I've got the chance to try yeah. and talk to someone, really, and that they've approached... They they felt comfortable enough to to do that, and also thinking depending on what actually they're coming to me for, because we've done this show after the period yeah. that we went through, and looking back and talking about it, so that's one thing to do that. Um, it's another to be, I think personally, at that you know you were a teenager, I was twenty five, but had occasional dips before that, doing that during that period. For us, or for me, sorry, would have been a lot tougher. Yep. I think yep. so. If someone of that age is, is doing that, and and they're going through it as well at that time, I'm yeah, I'm obviously very um, supportive and impressed by someone who's got that awareness to do that whilst they whilst they're going through it. But when someone does come up to you, what do you think about what you are gonna say and do, or is it just quite a natural response for you? Oh, same same thing as you, Lauren. It's pretty like I said, it's flattering and it's. It's grateful that you can actually help people. And I know I've said to you before, like doing this podcast definitely helped me during the pandemic. But um, I think when, when people come to you for advice, and this is for everyone, they said one of the main things I learned from being like a mental health first aider was like, I remember the teacher said, she was like, you don't ever have the answer. Like when people come to you at mental health, don't ever think that you're going to be able to solve them. Like when you're not a professional, it's like, I think she was like 90 or 95% of the time you won't have the answer. They just need someone to listen to, right? Or just help them. That's what I think. I think it's an English thing as well. We're not very good listeners, and we just got to um, you got to listen to what people say, and also just just be there, like ask questions. That's one thing I think. Obviously, living here and like compared to home, I think I know times change, but at home, I always felt as if sometimes when I try and open out about it, it'd be kind of hit with like a brick wall. I'm not not the other person's fault, but like. You've got to ask like open-ended questions, obviously not loaded questions, but that like, comes yeah. comes with experience. But don't ever think you've got you're gonna cure them over in one conversation. How do you think uh, since then the pandemic and being locked down to now? How do you think the nature of those conversations have changed, or or have they changed as much? Do you think it's reverted back to a kind of get on with it mentality, or do you think now there's a definite shift in the kind of discussions that you may have? I think there's a definite shift. There's a hundred. Yeah, I think there's a definite shift of. Obviously, the awareness has been increased, but people are a bit more responsive to it. But I think it's just kind of the way the society is going as well, right? I think 
we're more open to having these conversations and maybe less sort of tough love, even though I'm a fan of some sort of tough love. But uh, but that's yeah. definitely helped me, like even doing these conversations, like especially at work, like managing people. And I think I guess probably goes hand in hand as you mature and get older as well in your career. Like definitely more accommodating. Like if people at work have like personal stuff, it's always like make sure you sort yourself out before before yourself. But that, that's like. I know you shouldn't have regrets in life, but like obviously I was doing this stuff for like many years, but I never, I never felt bad for the, I just, I never felt guilty of other people to help me because I didn't speak about it. If that makes sense. It's so easy to answer. Oh yeah, I'm, I'm okay. I never opened out to people when I actually wasn't feeling great. So that's like, that that's like one thing Like if I could go back in time was tell people earlier on in my life, how I was feeling. So you were, you were being asked compassionately. I think I was during that time of like the early twenties. When I was younger, like when stuff was going on as a teenager and eighteen, I didn't know what was the, didn't know what was going on. It was probably after I finished uni, like yeah, like what twenty one, twenty two. Then obviously like a couple of years after, I actually saw professional help, but I kind of knew I needed to go. And like I had friends, especially girlmates, who like went, and they was like recommended me. But like you said, it's only. It's up to you to fucking make a difference in your life. You can't you can't dictate one your happiness and other people and you can't you've got to be very independent. You can't let other people why do you think they were recommending you? So if we did we maybe did discuss in the chat, but it's quite a while ago, so I'd I'd love to hear what what do you think made them think about recommending you? What what was it about your personality or had you spoken about it a bit or what was it? Yeah, uh, I think it was definitely I definitely found it easy to speak to my girlmates. Like some of my guy mates I spoke to when I was younger. Not their fault, I think I mentioned before. Not their fault, but I think I was like 15, 16, when I actually went to GP and the diagnosis was like depression stuff. I remember when I first told my mates then, not their fault, but they just didn't really know how to react. And it was just like a, you could hear the needle drop. But as you got older and like, I speak to like girl mates and like a few of them obviously went to see professional help and then you could actually speak to them and they were like, oh yeah, this helped me. Like you should do this. But then I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. The classic tried to brush it under their own carpet and then eventually went to a boiling point. But yeah, I think, like you say, mate, there's there's good days and bad days. Stuff always crops up, but 100% better at managing it now. How are you when it comes to like helping people or like what have you learned that it could help others? Um, That's a good question. I think, well, like you said, you can try and figure out I actually haven't had that many people come up to me, to be honest. Yeah. It doesn't happen very often. It's it's quite rare. It has happened, but it's quite rare. And uh, like you said, knowing to just listen and ask the questions and knowing that you are a tiny part of, you're a significant part, but still a tiny part of the problem for the person who is asking those questions. So um, just being able to listen and not try and judge or jump to a conclusion or feedback anything too quickly that might that might not be relevant. I think that that's probably the one is that the the other reason that listening is is the best thing is because you we've all both gone through I think very specific things mm-hmm. and there's huge correlations and people will be able to identify bits within each of our stories, but essentially it's a completely perfect storm for each person, the stuff that's happened. And there's no way no one can know which part of the storm was the detail that led to that dive in the end of things. So 
there's a danger, I think, of trying to impart too much of what you, me, yeah. has That's learned so in the process. And also not that looking back now on that period, even if I knew that, talk would, would talking that lesson through be relevant at all? Or is it something that you have to just go through and you know, could you even would you even want to remove that? process of someone figuring that out as long as they have help and someone to speak to yeah. and they go through it the lesson has to be i think experienced i don't think it can be taught verbally and you know you can say to someone oh watch out because you know things might get tough but you can never re replace that live that lived experience of someone so you just got to listen to them and then make sure that they're in check when they go through it yeah and that's the thing right like you never you're not going to have the answers for them, but yeah, I think you just got to be a sounding board. Do you think about this is a question because when I guess would your parents have been involved, obviously, when you're a teenager, you'd be at home. So, do you think about their response at all or what they might have thought at the time when you were compared to that? It goes back to what I said before. I didn't, I didn't tell them. I didn't really tell any of their families and stuff. So it goes back. I just kept it, kept it hidden. But I also think like. Even I said this in my therapy, like there's just generations have changed, right? I know we had Patricia on previously. I remember speaking to her at work. Mm. We're of like a generation where we'd be more probably war. We probably speak to our children about these sort of things, and then when their parents will be something else. Like it's always going to improve. Times always going to change, and I don't think it's one of those things where it's like I always think it's like your fight to fight. It's not anyone else's fight to fight. Everyone gets dealt a pack of cards. It's up to you. Yeah. Like, I think you should never you should never be remorseful over anyone for not being there. And like, there's only so much you can fucking. There's only so much your parents, siblings can do, right? No matter you're the you're the one who's gonna have to take ownership of your own life. That's completely true, isn't it? That's kind of I think actually for me, looking back and for hearing you say that actually is made me think. Um, exact. I've come to that conclusion only with time, though. Yeah. Oh God. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't have that. I didn't have that perspective at the time, and even and even after the time, you know, I was wondering to myself what they must have thought. Yeah. And I have spoken about it a bit, and I, you know, I, I'll keep hopefully going back to it. Maybe this podcast, you know, will be a launch pad, which has been in the past. And if anyone is listening, you know, I think it's a great time it's a great um segue into that discussion with someone if you find it hard to speak yeah. face to face which i would do this podcast kind of is a good um segue into that and i think that issue of of guilt and blame and letting that go has been for me a big turning point yeah. for sure coming to that realization that actually like you said first of all even though i feel like i'm going through you know hell or this this this, this darkness, they, the external reality. It's, and, and I know this to other people. It's very hard to tell. It's very yeah. hard to tell what someone's going through. And again, if they, they could speak to you maybe about, you know, what's going on, but in reality, would I have really said anything? No. And yeah. I probably gave off the impression that I didn't want to say something. So it's very hard to, to generate that discussion. And they must think back now. I just think, you know, uh, what a tough time for them as well. Because I was like, I was, you know, living at home for that period, just after university. I wasn't a pleasant 
person to be around and I'm in their house, you know, living mm. in my, my childhood home and my, my childhood room, uh, expecting them to have these revelations about me, which in hindsight were completely unrealistic and completely unwarranted to hold that position. And maybe the immediate period afterwards, maybe as a kind of a crutch perhaps yeah. to just help myself get back to normality was to say, Oh, you know, they, they never understood. I can, you know, turn this around and, and you almost create a kind of uh, adversity that's not there. No, it's which I think we, and everyone knows, I think most people at some point will recognize that hopefully when they, they use that unfairly. But so, yeah, that's, I can clearly understand what, what you, what you mean by that, by that perspective. I think the pandemic was a good thing. And really highlight to me is like, you can control what you can control, right? You can't, you can't, you can't control like, how, I don't know, your life as a kid or whatever, like your life, your experiences, you can't control, and you can't control other people. Like, I always find as if when, uh, like, like you say, like I was at the point as well where you're just not fun to be around and people just think, oh yeah, like, I don't know, you've got an attitude. But I think now people are more accommodating. Like, I'm, I'm so much more aware of other people. Like, I can tell when other people are not, hundred percent, and like you just gotta, you gotta be more like that's one thing, that's one thing I've hundred percent got better at, and that's one thing I've learned through all like doing all this and like, taking a real like deep dive into mental health, which I'm really interested in, is like being more empathetic. Like I'm always like, oh, especially when it comes to work, if someone's like, if someone I'm like trying to manage or someone trying to help, like previously I'd be like, come on, let's just get this done. But now I'm like, there's obviously you can tell something's up. Talk to me, like just tell us. Like, yeah. when no one's a mind reader that's the worst thing and I know like you've been single for what I've been single for like, pff, like six seven years both times both times relationships at uni and I have so much time for him but I know you always think about like don't regret guilt but I never told them how I was feeling like with anyone like my friends as well I didn't tell them how I was 100% feeling because all I cared about was like for example like them being happy and you don't want to be a burden right you want to try and you want to try and deal with stuff yourself, but that's just the wrong way to go about it. Yeah. So I guess it's kind of, it's patience with other people. Yeah. And then in that scenario, it's being patient with yourself, I guess. Yeah. And that, that's one thing I've never been good at. It's so, no, it's, yeah. it's, it's so funny. Even now, like, like I've joined a CrossFit gym. Like I've been there for a year now since I literally joined as soon as I moved here. And then like, I'm still like, I was like, oh yeah, decent. Within like a few months to be able to do this, this and this. And you still can't like it's, you got to be patient, right? You got to be patient yeah. in life, and like I'm, it's one of those things. And even with my mental health, I just thought for years I was like, oh, it's cool, it'll just sort itself out. But one of my one of my pet hates, one of my pet hates, like when this is a personal thing, is when people say that, oh, time's a good healer. Uh, it's only a good healer if you do something about it. That's a great point. So, so I know I get it. Like for example, like when someone passed away, time, yeah, time's a good healer. Yeah, I get it. Everyone grieves differently. But you can't just expect it just to solve itself out by itself. And this, mate, I, I don't know about you, mate. Every time we still record, I still get that little bit of uh, a bit of anxiety, like 10, 15 minutes before. Yeah, 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 exactly right. Just to jump on that, I, I'm sort of segue into my stuff as well. But you've just kept, you kind of uh, triggered a, a thought for me about, and a question I was going to ask you as well is, is that is from then your your mental dips and the patterns you've got into, do you feel that there is something left to be, is there an unhealthy pattern that still exists that you stick to or cling to 
that you're aware is unhealthy and has come from maybe that place, but you just kind of think, yeah, I'll stick with it. So that, that impatience thing, like you were just saying there, mm-hmm. you still got it. Is that, is that a hangover from that or, or is that too simplistic to try and draw that parallel? Is, is it, is personality too complicated to put down to a mental health issue? A, a little bit. I don't say it's like hundred percent. I think a little bit from that. Yeah. And a little bit is, um, I think for years I was depending on other people. And then when I was like, you got to take, like, like I said, that, that was a big realisation for me when I like took ownership of my own life. And like you, and like don't really, it's fucking, yeah. it's not easy doing what, like, it's, it's pretty scary. It's actually quite scary, like going back into your past and like trying to deal with stuff. But you know, in the long run, it will help you out. But yeah, I wouldn't say, um, I think patience, like, probably, I don't know, it's part of, like, I'm, I'm much more aware of myself, put that way. I'm much more aware of my strengths and weaknesses. And I know being impatient is a weakness, which probably was highlighted through my mental health mental health hiccups, but it's still kind of been there prior to that. But yeah, I don't know what what have you found? Like, are you more aware of yourself as well? I think it's for me. Yeah. I was just I was thinking about rugby. To be honest, that's actually for me. It's it's the it's the 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 process and the structures I put in place. I think I have spoken about this, but that I go through are very strict and almost almost to a point of being detrimental actually to my enjoyment of the game. So I've never actually really enjoyed uh, playing game, the rugby until quite recently when I've started to free up a bit more and do it. But I think it's like, yeah, it's, it's both the, I'm aware it's the cause of anxiety and it's also the solution to it in one. And I think that that's fine for life and for big life events that that is what you're doing. You're, you're instilling the risk of intense anxiety and stress and worry with the solution embedded within it as well. So whatever that may be for people and they're on bigger scales than rugby, but for me, that is what at the moment that represents. And I, I keep thinking about the, um, the healthiness of that and when does it and where's that balance and I always look at it and think this feels fine to me but is it actually fine and is it a hangover from that fear of dropping back into that dark place if I don't have these structures that I follow to keep to and is that um is that ridiculous to think that or is that actually genuine and I don't know, but I, that's what keeps cropping up in my head and things similar to that where I'll continue to look back on it and see, hopefully, I think in the next couple of years yeah. when it's I start stop playing it and move on to something else, that will naturally loosen its grip and move on to other things and expand. But at the moment, that's where I am with it, yeah. And that's the thing, right? There's always going to be stuff that happens in your life you can't control. I don't know, it's obviously touch would never happens, but say you play rugby, don't know, you get a bad injury. And that just reassesses everything, right? And it's just kind of you being able to stop yourself getting into a downward spiral again. Yeah, and how you go about it. Yeah, it's good to have the structures in place, but also uh, life brings up some surprising features sometimes. You don't know how to deal with it. I definitely think I definitely agree with you. I mean, the lack of um, the out of when you go through a point of not really having a perspective on stuff, and there's nothing behind the eyes and. You're just on auto. You're just an automated process at that point. You're just getting up. You're going in. 
you got nothing really behind with that process. Whether I try and think what actually are the after effects of that, yeah. and have they been fully cleared, or are there kind of scars or well, not scars? That's a bit dramatic, but just the the impressions of that experience. What how have they manifested themselves in my life still, and are they, you know, worth? trying to figure out and clear or just leave and you know it's, it's good enough as it is so let's just get on with it kind of thing I'm, I'm kind of in that camp and I kind of think it's linked to your point just get progress it doesn't have to be perfect um, just progress yeah. and stop trying to find that perfect you know yeah. and I, I'm definitely much more in that camp now than I was five years ago when I, I actually worried quite a lot about the after effects and thinking gosh should I be doing something else or you know so but if you feel fine you probably are that's kind of yeah that way of saying yeah, that so that's so true right it's yeah so true like never compare yourself to anyone else run your own race triple set round flip the coin losers got to do a song a story a joke i got a coin here I can see the coin. It's there. Yeah. Call it in the air. What is is that a Canadian dollar? No, this is actually this is actually a fifty p piece I got off when I came home. I'm literally, <laughs> it's so pointless. I got a fifty p and a twenty p here, but I was like, what? Well, that's not going to do anything. But it's just here. Just to carry on the tradition of uh, triple threat. That's probably why. Right, yeah, probably. But uh, what do you want? Uh, I'll go heads. Oh, it's heads. Fuck. So we haven't we haven't had a song in a while. So, and uh, to be fair, I don't know. Did you watch the Grammys the other day? Fantastic. Uh, didn't watch, no. Some great performances. Them. And uh, a certain uh, a certain Mrs. Adele was there, so. I'll just close my eyes and imagine I'm at the Grammys. Or on one of her Vegas tours, yeah. But, uh, of course, yeah. Hold on, I need some green tea before I start this. Okay. I heard that you settled down at you. Found a girl and you're married now. I heard that your dreams came true. Yes, she gave you things I couldn't give to you. Oh, friend, why are you so shy? Ain't like you to hold back for the time of your life. I hate to turn off, but of the blue one and fight it, but I could have stayed away. I couldn't fight it. I would hope you see my face, that you'd be reminded that for me, it isn't over. Never mind, I'll find someone like you. I wish nothing but the best for you, too. Don't forget me. I pray, I remember you say, sometimes it lasts in love, sometimes it hurts instead. There you go. I, I wish you that. Nice. No, you, you, well pitched. Very, well and also, pitched. this is fantastic. What's popped up uh, on Zoom, the music thing popped up saying, are you playing live music? Would you like to change the audio settings? <laughs> That's... Yeah. That's no, that's no joke. It just popped up there. So, so you you didn't you couldn't full zoom. I you? couldn't full zoom. I couldn't full zoom. Me. 
Oh yeah, yeah. Oh my feet are sweating. I haven't, I haven't, I haven't we haven't done a song for a long time. Please follow and share us on Instagram and Twitter at All Chats Pod with a space.